Hi, I'm Sarah Chamberlain, and you're listening to another episode of Heard on Main Street. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we're talking with Congressman Will Hurd from Texas about artificial intelligence. Congressman Hurd is the chairman of the Oversight and Government Reforms Information Technology Subcommittee and has been a leader in Congress on this particular issue. Many of us use artificial intelligence already in our daily lives and don't even know it. But one of the things Congressman Hurd will talk about today and what he shared in the subcommittee is the need to train more researchers and coders to help shape the future of artificial intelligence in our country. I am thrilled to be welcoming Congressman Hurd on the podcast today. So, Congressman Hurd, thank you so much for joining us today. You're the congressman from Texas 23, and you have such a unique background as a former CIA agent. We are honored to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to be on. I'm glad to be able to chat with you. So, first question for you is, I know you're an expert in artificial intelligence. So, what is that, and how does that affect our daily lives? So, so what is artificial intelligence? Usually what happens if you're older than me, somebody thinks how 9,000 from, you know, the, the, the computer with the creepy voice that took over the spaceship in the movie, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey. Or if you're younger than me, you say Roomba, right? You mm-hmm. know, the, the vacuum cleaner yeah. that moves around the house. Which is wonderful, um, I yeah, and and you know a, a better definition is is artificial intelligence is computational technology that works and reacts in human-like ways, and and computational technology is just any device that makes calculations based on uh, on, on figures and numbers, right? And uh, most people already use artificial intelligence. Uh, if you've ever used a mapping app on your phone to get from point A to point B, artificial intelligence is using that. If you've made a, um, a purchase from Amazon Prime or Amazon Video based on a recommendation, that recommendation was, was artificial intelligence. Um, it is uh, something that, um, you know, it, it, my favorite song right now is a song that I, um, you know, got recommended from my playlist on Spotify, right? All of those things are artificial intelligence. But the, the implications of artificial intelligence is more than just shopping preferences. It's going to help you know, people live longer and healthier. It's going to help nations be safer and more secure. And it's going to help um, restore balance uh, between, between humans and our environment. And, and so it is a way I would categorize artificial intelligence right now is that it's actually dumb. You know, we're a long way away from machines taking over. But being able to do things like you know, uh, um, visual um, recognition, speak, uh, speech recognition, translating between languages, these are all things that, that AI is, is helping with. And, and Google has a company called DeepMind. They can tell, they can, they can predict 50 times, 50 kinds of, of eye disease by looking at 3D scans of a retina, and they're better than doctors. And so, you know, once this gets through trials and goes to the next phase of, 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 of development, uh, we may be able to stop people from going blind all over the world, right? Like, that, those are just some examples of, of how artificial intelligence is being used now and, and ways it can be used in the future. 
So those are amazing ways, especially the blind. Wow. If we could cure blindness, that would truly be amazing. How does AI affect national security? How is it being used in that area? And how can it make our country safer? Great, great question. You know, I, I spent nine and a half years as an undercover officer in the CIA. I was the dude in the back alleys at 4 o'clock in the morning collecting intelligence on threats on our homeland. Um, I, I know that na- the, the national intelligence, you know, infrastructure and structure could benefit from this. For example, you know, we could be able to detect uh, the Russians trying to invade Ukraine. Uh, and in, individuals are not able to analyze troop movements, vehicular movements of thousands and thousands of people and things that could potentially show us a lead up to an invasion of a country. Right? That's, that's one way. Uh, another way, um, I'm, I sit on the House Intelligence Committee as well and in one of our hearings, the head of the NGA, that's the National Geospatial Agency. It's basically the agency that reviews moving video and, and pictures from all over the world. He said that in the next 20 years, if they had people to, to if the, the, the size of their workforce would need to be 8 million in order to review all the data that they ultimately have. We do not have eight, minute, eight million imagery analysts. And so being able to use um, artificial intelligence to, um, to analyze moving data and images is gonna ultimately help us um, become safer, but, and it's also gonna help us uh, predict, um, get in front of potential problems. You know, if you're, someone's gonna use a nuclear uh, weapon, Usually the fuel is stored separately from the actual device, right? The actual missile. And so knowing who, when, when those two things get together, all right? Or when there, you know the unit that may be responsible for, you know, for, for putting the missile together and launching it, right? When you see there's movements there. These are the kinds of things that right now, um, artificial intelligence can be helping us with. And, and, you know, I spent, um, when I got out of the CIA, I helped start a cybersecurity company, and we basically broke into banks, stole their money, and so cybersecurity <laughs> is something that I spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, the future of cybersecurity is going to be good AI versus bad AI, right? And so, um, you know, Vladimir Putin said, whoever, you know, uh, um, artificial intelligence is going to impact the entire world, and whoever masters it will master the world, basically. I think it's the only thing he and I agree on. Um, and, and part of that is how you're going to be, how you're going to have to defend against attackers in the future. So we know that government sometimes can hinder innovation. What, can, what role can the Congress play in avoiding um, slowing down AI services? Now we, there's only been six hearings in Congress on artificial intelligence, and three of them have been held at, at my committee that I chair with Robin Kelly from, from Illinois. And one of the things is basic research. Congress needs, we need to step up our game when it comes to basic research. By the end of this year, um, China will be investing more in basic research than the United States. And, and let me put that number in some context. They will be investing more by pure dollars. But when you think about the number of man hours that have gone into this, they have surpassed us uh, 
a while ago, right? And so, so basic research is one. Two, we have to engage with the rest of the world when it comes to this topic and the ethics around artificial intelligence. In warfare, should a machine be able to kill a human without a human being in uh, that, that process? Should a machine be able to kill a machine? on the battlefield should you have a a application or or an a algorithm making the decision on somebody getting sentenced um, to prison or whether or not they're going to get bail right these are these are some of the questions that we have to we have to answer and if we don't play a role the united states doesn't play a role in in deciding what the what those answers should be and then making that the international standard then guess what guess who is going to Russia, China, and we all know they don't care about civil liberties. We all know they don't care about privacy. So we can't abdicate our role in, in Congress and, and walking through and talking through these issues um, is a role that Congress can play. And then also we need to have a national strategy on artificial intelligence. And that is how do you array all, uh, you know, the private sector, the public sector, academia, to ensure that we stay the leaders in this area. 18 countries have a national strategy on artificial intelligence um, and five more are, have them in development and the United States is not one of them. And so that's, that's an area where Congress um, can, can shine a light and help debate um, the rules uh, around the development of artificial intelligence. But also, let's not get too heavy-handed, right? Because we want we want this technology to grow, um, and I think we I think Congress is is kind of getting it right when you look at driverless cars. You now this is a you know this is powered by artificial intelligence, and there have been some pretty high profile accidents, and but there wasn't a knee jerk reaction to put heavy regulations that would ultimately stifle um, this growth of this new technology. Well, this sounds such a fascinating new area. Can you talk to me about how young people? If they want to, how we encourage them to go into this area and to learn more about it? Look, this, this is, we have to, the, the, the thing that is going to prevent us from continuing to be a leader on this area is that we don't have a trained workforce uh, in order to take advantage of this. And right now, um, people that are, that are AI researchers are getting seven figures, right? And usually most of them have a PhD or, or at a minimum uh, a master's. The fundamental um, building block skill that is necessary in order to be successful in artificial intelligence is coding, right? And knowing how to knowing how to write co computer code, right? Um, and 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 we have seen that when a kid is exposed to coding at high school, they are uh, six times more likely to to pursue this in college. And um, when it comes to women, they're 10 times more likely to pursue it. All right? now, now, here's here's the problem, though. I'm just going to take the, the, the state of Texas, where, where I'm from. There are 40,000 um, open computing jobs in Texas. Um, the average salary of these jobs is about $91,000. But Texas only graduated 2,700 students with a degree in computer science. Right? Wow. And only 18% of that were females, which is a terrible number. Only 9,000 
high school kids took the AP computer science course. You know, that's the test you take yeah. and you get college credit. Right. right? And only in only 400 schools out of about 2000 offered the AP computer science course. And what's even scarier, just in Texas, universities in Texas only graduated 27 new computer science teachers, right? That pipeline, we got we to boost that pipeline. And, and so what, what I'm trying to do is introduce coding into seventh and eighth grade. Um, there is no such thing. There's not a bunch of computer science teachers chilling at a coffee shop waiting for something with a call to be like, hey, we need you, right? They don't exist. And so we have to train current teachers to introduce this skill set. And there's a, there's, a, there's a nonprofit called Bootstrap which trained um, algebra teachers, seventh and eighth grade algebra teachers, to introduce coding into uh, their, their, their lessons plans. And we worked with 40 schools here in my district, um, worked with the University of Texas at Austin, and you know, did this teacher training. And now a couple thousand kids um, have been exposed to, to coding at seventh and eighth grade. It, it is, it's a basic skill set. It's the equivalent you know, for our generation, right? if, we, if we didn't know how to type, it would be really hard to get a job right and 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 coding is is the the lingua franca of the future and if students can't speak it they're going to be left behind and so let's boost that talent pipeline let's make sure these kids um, are getting exposed to this in school and there's a number of programs free programs online where, where folks can learn but I'm, I'm going on and on about this but it's, it's such an important it's such an important issue and such a, a critical skill set um, for for our future as as an economy and our, our future as a world power. Well, I will tell you from my perspective, I have a daughter who is uh, in 7th and 8th grade. She started learning coding. And I have to say I was kind of surprised, but now I'm not. Maybe this will open up a whole new field for her. No, no matter what job you want to do in the future, you're going to have to have some coding, right? Um, it could be, it could be a sh- whether it's astronomy. You know, astronomers are no longer people that like look in the eyepiece of the telescope, right? It's, it's they get volumes and volumes of data, and they have to they have to look through that data. And coding is important. Nursing, you know, is is another area where knowing some kind of programming is going to be important. I, like I, I can, you know, every uh, construction, you name it. Um, it, it's a, it's a skill set that is going to be is going to be super um, super important, and the the more familiar you're, the sooner you're familiar with it, uh, the better you're going to be. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and Congressman Hurd, it's going to be lots of fun to watch you be a leader in the next Congress on these on these issues. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the time to chat about this and, and talking about a, a topic that, you know, I love and fascinated by and something that's going to be important to our future. So thanks for the time. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's Heard on Main Street podcast episode. You can always tweet me at Main Street Sarah. I love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for listening.